Welcome back to The Missing Piece, everybody. Today, I want to talk about a beautiful moment that sometimes takes place in people's life. Not everybody gets here, and I want you to. And this is the moment where, after enough education, after enough experience at work and experience at life, after enough failure, falling down on your face enough times and getting back up, you become powerful enough and valuable enough to dictate the terms of your own existence, to dictate the light, the terms of your life. And it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And <clears throat> you got to understand that this breakthrough happens, you know, it's, it's kind of like a coming of age, but you know, it's, it certainly doesn't happen, you know, from 17 to 18 or 18 to 19 or anything like that. Like it's, it happens later in adulthood and you have to, you have to understand the root of why this breakthrough needs to occur is because as children, we are supported fully. You know, we are, we're not capable or expected to provide any sort of value, uh, you know, at all. Like we're just, we go to school to learn. And then as we go to school to learn, as we start our careers, companies are really investing in us as future assets. We don't really provide any value straight out of school just with our education. We're not really pulling our own weight yet. You know, we offer promise and we offer potential and the companies need to invest in their future but our accomplishments are not yet standing on their own. And, you know, it's not really a great feeling because ultimately it's a feeling of dependence. So even though you're getting up, you're going to work every day, you're going to work, you're getting a paycheck and potentially paying your rent or paying your mortgage or whatever, you're making enough money for your life, but like you're replaceable. You're, you're, you're dependent on that company to keep seeing potential in you, to keep, you know, to keep supporting you while you build your experience up. I'm going to tell you right now, like not everybody gets past this. There was this family I used to know and it was just, dude, it was, it was the saddest story because this was a dude who was in his forties, maybe closer to 50. And everyone in town knew like this guy was always looking for work. Now this isn't, this is an affluent town, by the way. This is an affluent suburb. These aren't, he's not looking for entry level positions. He's going from like, I don't know, kind of higher level sales position to higher level sales position. So they're living the life. They're keeping up with the Joneses. They have the million dollar house. They have the Escalade. They have these things. But old boys constantly getting laid off. Every time there's downsizing, every time there's this, or every time there's that, every time the company misses numbers, he's gone and he's out looking for work again. And so even as a 45 or 50 year old man, he's still completely dependent on somebody else to see potential in him. Like he doesn't provide enough value in the workplace to not be replaced every, every chance that a company gets. And you could sort of see it in his aura. You know what I mean? He was, he was a bit beaten down by this whole situation and I can see why it's a shitty place to be. And it's a tough shift to make, but there are a determined few out there who will break through who will build themselves up and they will get to a point in their lives where their power, their competency and their value stands all on its own. Companies don't want to replace them. Companies don't want to downsize them. And if they did, the person would land back on their feet at another company or they would compete in the market and start their own thing or they are starting their own thing. Like there's a point where you just know that you never have to worry about money again, not because you have enough to live forever, but because you have the skill set and the value and the power to create, you know, whatever you want out of thin air. And that's a beautiful, that's the point that I'm talking about. That's where you want to break through to. And from a conceptual standpoint, I call this, you know, going from the underdog to the top dog. 
And, you know, I want to warn you about a time. I want to warn you about a time I almost got stuck as the underdog, you know, and if you can learn from that experience, perhaps there, you'll find ways in your life where you're letting people put you in the underdog box and you're, maybe you're putting yourself in the underdog box. And if you're stuck there, I want you to break out because there's so much freedom on the other side. So first, let me explain the concept. You know, when you are an underdog, when you're just a kid or you're, you know, an entry level position or whatever, people are rooting for you. You don't pose a threat to anybody. And so there's this security. People feel secure around you because you don't pose a threat to them. And you feel secure because you feel like everybody wants this young kid to make it, you know, and you can protect your ego. You can protect your ego from from failure because there's no risk. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. If you lose, if you fail, if you fall flat on your face, um, everybody, nobody, everybody expects it. You're the underdog. Yet if you win, everybody thinks you're a genius, right? If you pull through. And again, everybody likes you because you're a threat. You're not a threat. You show potential, you show promise, but you're not a threat by any stretch of the imagination. But here's the problem with being an underdog, because all that sounds good. Like, oh, everybody likes me, and there's you know an upside, but like it doesn't really matter if I fail. The problem is, as an underdog, you need people to support you. You need people to support you, which means that you need to keep everyone happy. And if you need to keep everyone happy, that means you're powerless and ineffective. Now, if you're a top dog, there are expectations of you, because now you are standing on your own gifts, your own skills, your own value. Think about Apple as a top dog. Nobody buys an iPhone because they're like, we need to support Apple and make sure they make it. People are like, I buy an iPhone because it's the best fucking phone around, you know? And if there's a problem with it, we got a problem with the company. We're going to take it up with them. We're going to complain. You know what I mean? That's a top dog. That's nobody supporting them. They're just straight up standing on the value that they provide. And when you're in this position, sometimes people can become threatened by you or threatened by your confidence. And more importantly, from an ego standpoint, there's everything to lose because you're sitting here saying, I de- you know, th- you're standing on your value. You are declaring your value. You are asking the world for, your, you know, for what you're worth. You're demanding what you're worth. And you're facing the rejection of people who don't see the value in you that you see in yourself. And that's a big risk to the ego. So there are expectations and there are downsides to being the top dog. But uh, apart from those downsides, there's one beautiful and irreplaceable upside. And that is this, when you know what you're worth and when you stand on it and you refuse to take anything less, people who see the value in you begin to come into your life and people who don't see your value, you don't see that you don't see them as rejecting you for not seeing their value. You, in fact, you don't see them at all because they don't fucking matter because you're so excited about all the people who have been drawn to you because they see in you what you've seen yourself. They seem to appear out of your life out of nowhere. And, you know, like I said, the rejection of those who don't see your value just doesn't matter anymore because you found your people because you've been true to yourself. And so if I could put this into a story form for you, I'll I'll take you back to when I was a gym owner, first a personal trainer and then a gym owner. And at the time I had a gym filled with baby boomers, right? So this is whatever, 10 plus years ago, this is a crowd of people who are 50, 60 years old. I'm going to tell you right now, that was never my vision for my business, right? I wanted a badass strength training gym. I wanted this culture where there's like hard music on all the time. People deadlifting a shit ton of weight, people doing pull-ups and chin-ups and pressing heavy kettlebells. 
But from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, all the, all the consultants and gurus told me, dude, go after baby boomers. It just makes sense. They have money and they're trying to add to their quality of life. And I was like, okay, cool. So that's kind of what I did. And because these people were roughly my parents' age, they saw me as a nice, polite young man, right? They said, I reminded them of their kids and they said, look at this nice young man out here trying to do his own business. We should support this business. We should support it. That's the key word. And they did. And they did it well. And so what they saw in me was they saw a nice, polite young man. They saw a, a local business that they could support. And they saw that I, I gave them a lot of personal attention. And at first this was because, you know, maybe the early adapters, they were new to the gym. So it just wasn't full yet. And then over time that became an unrealistic expectation. I was forced to keep everybody happy. Remember? So I continued to overstaff and overstaff and overstaff and pay all these coaches to always be around to make sure these baby boomers got this, uh, amount of attention that was frankly unrealistic to maintain. And what they saw in me is they saw me always being there. They thought it was great that the owner was always there. They'd say things like, it's not the same when you're not here. And so if I were to put that in a nutshell, they valued the things that would keep me small. They valued things that had nothing to do with my actual skill set of getting people strong as hell and transforming their physique, transforming their physiques. They things like valuing the personal attention of me always being there. What does that mean for me? It means I can't have a family. If I'm always supposed to be there, Every single evening and every single morning. Well, what the fuck happens if I was ever to introduce kids into that picture, right? But, they, you know, that didn't matter. And this is a dangerous position for me to be in, to be supported by people who, who that's what they see in me. Because as a nice young man, well, great. My likability isn't scalable. Just because you like me, I mean, that, that doesn't provide value to people who don't like me. When I'm dependent on people who quote unquote support my business, what if they decide to stop supporting me? Then I'm fucked and I can't replace them because I haven't been standing on any sort of value proposition. They value a lot of personal uh, attention and that's that's unrealistic and it's not profitable because either I always have to be there or I have to hire a bunch of coaches to always be there. And I already talked about this, but me always being there because they would say things like, it's not the same without you, means I'm unable to have a family of my own, right? And I'm unable to be any sort of leader who can grow and scale a business because I'm always in the trenches, you know, kissing hands, shaking babies, making sure everybody feels that I see them. So this position is a dangerous position to be in because really what that is, is that's a cult of personality rather than being a business built on a value proposition. You know, and, and, and what it was from the outside, if you were to walk in there as a gym, it's a bunch of people getting really unimpressive results, but kind of who, but they like me. So they're kind of having fun. <laughs> but at the end of the day, very unimpressive results. And every time a young person would walk in, like a young person with energy who I was like, fuck, yeah, I could make that person strong as hell or whatever. I'd be like, damn it. There's just no way they're going to stick around with this vibe. It feels so, it feels so dead in here. Like nobody wants to come work out with their parents and their parents' friends, which is what it felt like for anybody who was close to my age. And so that, that was the underdog. That was me being supported. That was me being likable. That was me making sure nobody was ever upset. And honestly, over time I came to resent that gym and it died from a business perspective anyway, or it was dwindling and we decided to take radical action. So we learned how to market on social media 
And we built, uh, we decided to market straight out for the first time ever, physical transformation, six week challenge, lose weight, get, get ripped. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden our gym is flooded with younger sort of higher energy people who were there to get kick-ass coaching. It really had nothing to do with me at that point. They came in because they had a problem, which was excess weight that they wanted to lose quickly and they were willing to pay money for it. That's a real value proposition. So, you know, when we look at why those, why this new crop of people came in and when we learned how to market and stand on our own value, which is we can transform your fucking body. Now all of a sudden it's no longer like, man, I'm a nice, polite young man. No, they're here for a result. They have a problem that they're ready to solve. And as far as like, they need to support my business or they need all this personal attention, um, or the, they, about me always needing to be there as the owner, none of it mattered. They were there for a result. They were there for a problem. They were ready to solve and they were ready to pay good money to do so. And all of a sudden, because now there's people getting results, the fun and the culture were a byproduct of all that energy momentum and now an alignment between what I saw and what they needed. Right. And so all of a sudden the old guard over here is saying, Hey, it's too crowded in here. Well, what the fuck did you expect for me to not make any money ever? Oh, I'm worried about my technique. No one is watching. Well, then pay for a private lesson, right? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Cool, man. Give me a call outside of here. I'm, I'm like, I got shit to do. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. When, when people started saying these things, I almost fell for it. I almost retreated back to my old ways. Almost. Almost. And I'm glad I didn't. Because the discomfort was short-lived. You know, people giving me their opinions, But on the other side of that discomfort, there was a business that was fun, energizing, and profitable. All I had to do is get through a couple people's opinions for a couple of months. And here's what I realized. We hear hear feedback from three different sources. This is so important. There's people who will never be your client. There's clients who are not your ideal clients, so people who complain all the time and want to keep you in that underdog role. And then there's clients who are fun. They fill your cup and they see your value. They're cheering for you to keep growing and to keep expanding because they need you to continue growing in your top dog role because it provides so much value for them. And so this is, you know, if we look at like, that's the three types of people that we're getting feedback from. I want to use another analogy here. And back in world war two, which is the first time they really used like those heavy bombers in combat. Um, a lot of them were getting shot down, right? And so what happened was the powers that be, the army, they looked at these planes and they looked at the ones who made it back to base. And they looked at where are all the bullet holes at on these planes that made it back to base. And then they created special armor to put in those areas. However, the even with this new armor added onto the planes, the same number of planes kept getting shot down. Why is that? Because they were taking the wrong feedback. Because a bullet hole in a plane that made it back to base, that bullet hole isn't enough to shoot the plane down. Okay? Are you with me? Because if you if if the if you can survive that thing, you don't need to put armor over it. So the feedback of people who will never be your clients, and this is people who talk shit on social media, this is this is people who roll their eyes at your posts, this is people who troll your ads. Dude, that feedback is like bullets that just go right through the plane and we keep on flying. We can't listen to that fucking feedback. 
It is the same with clients who don't root for you. Same with clients who want to keep you as an underdog. Same with clients that want to keep you small. They're irrelevant. They cannot shoot your plane down. They can shoot those bullets at you. They can rip right through your plane and you can keep on flying and completing your mission because they just, what they have to say just doesn't fucking matter. Here's where you want to put your armor. Here's where you want to protect yourself. It's with the people who are rooting for you. It's the people who see your value. It's the people who energize you. That's where you put your armor. You protect and you nurture and you grow those relationships at all costs. And yeah, this is a business analogy, but fuck, it goes for everything in life, doesn't it? There's people who want to keep you small. There's people who sense your growth as a threat. And there's people who want to see you grow at all costs and are rooting for you at all times. I would, I would make sure that when you are looking at the feedback that your life is getting you, because life is giving you feedback no matter what, make sure you are ignoring the people who will never interact with you. Make sure you are ignoring the people whose opinions just don't matter because they don't see your value and make sure you are protecting and listening to and encouraging the feedback of those people who energize you and root for you. All right. If you found this, if you found this valuable, do me a solid two things you can do, three things you can do. Shoot me a note, share, share to your story. Like on so many of you guys do Paul.lingzo on Instagram, leave a review. If you haven't already, that helps their podcast tremendously. Finally, just hit this little share button. Send it over to send it over to your podcast buddy. Send it over to your little group where you guys all share podcasts together. That does wonders for getting people uh, into our world and listening to the podcast. Appreciate y'all. Have a great week, and we'll talk soon.